Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Robertson. Today, we introduce a brand new series called The Pursuit. We are talking about how you go after God, how you go after the will, the plans of God for your life. And you know, I'm not sure if anyone got it more right than the Apostle Paul. He had a remarkable ability to bring a singular focus to his life. And he writes in the scriptures, he tells us how we can do the same. Today, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to learn what it is to pursue spiritual maturity. I'm so glad that you're with me today. If you've never downloaded my app, do it today. Whatever device you use, go to your app store or your Google Play and download Awakened to Grace today and grow with us spiritually. You will not only have access to this sermon that you're about to hear, but literally thousands of other pieces of content from music to sermons to articles and much more. Well, today we go to Philippians chapter 3 and we're talking about spiritual maturity. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 this morning. Philippians chapter 3. Today we begin a brand new journey, a new series called The Pursuit. I want to title this series The Pursuit because I want to make sure in my own life, in your life, in our church life, that we are keeping the main thing, the main Thing. How many of you know that it is easy for us to get very distracted in life? Distractions come quite easily, don't they? And how many of you know that even if Satan cannot lead you into a place of sinfulness, he will distract you with busyness? And he'll get our eyes off of the prize. How easy it is for people who love God, who love the Word, who worship God, who pray regularly, who are concerned about God's will for our lives, and we consider ourselves true, genuine Christ followers, how easy it is for us to get distracted. And Paul understood this. And how thankful I am for his life, for his ministry, for his modeling to the church what a singular focused life ought to look like. Throughout this series called The Pursuit, we're going to learn what it means to seek after God. We're going to learn what it means to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We're going to learn what it means that as the deer pants and longs for the water brooks, so our soul longs after the Lord God Almighty. I want to talk about the pursuit. What does it mean to be in pursuit of God? Throughout the series, I'll be sharing with you a bit about my own personal devotion life. And I've shared with you in the past what mornings mean to me. And we are going to design a beautiful card for you called Morning Pursuits that will suggest scriptures, will suggest songs. For you to begin your day with the Lord. 
in a morning pursuit of God. Well, today, I want us to go to Philippians chapter 3. I want us to examine particularly verses 12 through 15. But I want to begin with verse 15 today. I want to start there. Because Paul is going to conclude his thoughts that we are going to study today with this remarkable phrase. And this is where I want to begin and work our way backward. Why? Because this phrase is so important. Paul says, let those of us who are mature think this way. I want you to note this right out the gate as we begin this series. There is a way for you to think that is right as a Christian. Now, you have to understand, when God saves us and we become born again, as God works in us and transforms us, you need to understand, God, God does not change our brain, <clears throat> but he does change our thinking. A doctor could examine your brain and nothing would show any different. However, your thinking ought to be completely different than what it once was. And do you know what changes about our thinking is that we mature spiritually. And Paul says, as he writes, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, being breathed upon by the Holy Spirit, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, let those of us who are mature, let us think this way. I want to ask you a question today. Do you think biblically? Do you think with a spiritual maturity? For so many Christians today, they view salvation as the finish line. And as long as they are born again, as long as they have repented of sin, as long as they consider themselves religious, as long as they can throw up a Hail Mary prayer when they need to, as long as they can treat God like He is a fair-weathered friend or like God is a spare tire, then they think they are okay spiritually. But no, my friends, I want you to understand, salvation is not the ending. It is only the beginning. There is a finish line. There is a goal. And Paul is going to show us what it is. And Paul says, you want to reach that goal? You want to get to the finish line? You want to live a life that is singular focused? You want to live a life that's on target and on point and on purpose? You want to live a life that is significant and rich and full of meaning? Then Paul says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Let us feel this way. Let us process this way. Let us behave this way. So my question today, as we begin, is simply this. Are you willing to mature spiritually? Is spiritual maturity even on your radar? I would say for the vast majority of Christians in today's culture, a prayer that they never pray is, God, help me to mature spiritually. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Now, thankfully, you're here today. Thankfully, you're watching today. You're online today. You're on some platform listening today. That tells me that you desire spiritual growth. Many of you are plugged into small groups. Many of you have study Bibles. Many of you have 
devotion time with the Lord. Many of you walk out. You, you use your spiritual gifts. You put your hand to the plow of the kingdom of God. You think the way about sin that God thinks. You are maturing spiritually. Praise God for it. But here's what I want us to understand, all of us collectively, is that salvation is only the beginning. Let's look at what Paul says. Verse number 12. If you read verses 1 to 11, it's excellent scriptures. Paul is going to say in those verses that if anyone had reason to boast, it was Paul. If anyone had confidence in the flesh, Paul had more confidence than they, than they did. Paul says when it comes to being a Hebrew, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. When it comes to the law, I was a Pharisee. When it comes to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. Paul is saying, I was blameless when it comes to the law and when it comes to the flesh. Paul is saying that if anyone had a reason to boast, if anybody had confidence in flesh, Paul says, it is myself. But something changed when he met Christ. Paul said, now I count everything that I gained, I count it as rubbish. Paul says, every single thing in my life that was successful, every single thing in my life that was good, I have sacrificed it all for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. In other words, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ is infinitely beyond, above, better than anything in life. You know how David said it in Psalm, I believe, 63? David said, your love is better than life. If God's love is better than life, then friends, that means his love is better than anything that this life has to offer you. His love is better than anything that this life could offer you. His love is better. And Paul says, I've given everything up. I've sacrificed it all for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. And then he says, the way that I know Jesus, verse 10, is that I know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. The word know there is an intimate know. It's the knowing between a husband and a wife. It is, a, it is an intimacy. And Paul says, I know the Lord. I, am, I have an intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ that's better than anything I've ever had in life. Now, when we come to verse 12, listen to what he says. Follow along with me. He says, now, it's not that I have attained this. Or another word there would be achieved this, talking about perfection. He's saying, I'm not in a state of perfection. It's not that I have reached this ultimate place in this life. It's not that I have grown to a place where I am perfect. No, he's not saying that at all. But, I, but pay close attention to what Paul says. But I press on. Now that's a big phrase right there. <laughs> I press on. To make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Do you know what Paul is saying right there? 
Paul is saying, I was a Pharisee of the law. I was a zealot against the church. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Of Israel, I was a Benjamite. I was as good. I was as blameless as what they come. But when Christ got a hold of my life, everything changed from there. How many of you have the same testimony today? That you are not who you were once Christ got a hold of you. Many of us could tell the story of who I was before Jesus, how I met Jesus, and now who I am after Jesus, right? You know what that's called? That's called a conversion, amen. That's called being born again. That's called being transformed. And if you have experienced that, if your nature has changed, then you know what Paul is saying. You know what it is to say, I can't throw in the towel now. And I can't quit now. And I can't give up now. Why? Because Christ Jesus made me his own. God got a hold of me. Amen. You remember when God got a hold of you? Some of you, your life's never changed. Because God's never got a hold of you. You still got one foot in. You still got one foot out. You're still attracted to the things of God, but you're attracted to the things of the world. Let me tell you what you need more than anything. You don't need church. You don't need religion. You need God to get a hold of you. Amen. You need to present yourself once and for all, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Then you'll look back and you'll say, everything in my life is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. You know why things compete with the Lord in your life? You know why you can't let go of the world? You know why you keep being led down those paths of sin? It's because God's never truly got a hold of you. You've never surrendered yourself once and for all, 100% to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time you present yourself. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, when it says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present yourself. That word present means once and for all, never going back. Amen. I've decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. There's nothing to turn back to. Amen. Has God ever got a hold of you? Well, he did Paul. He did Paul. Paul said, everything in my past is rubbish. It's worthless compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Oof. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? Or when it comes to your spiritual walk, is it really just a lot of yawning? A lot of not sure where you land? Not sure where you fall? No. You need to present yourself once and for all, finally, fully, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, I'm not perfect. I've not attained this. I've not achieved perfection. But this is what I do. I press on to make it my own because what's the foundation of our spiritual growth? What's the motivation of our spiritual growth? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Do you see the difference there? I'm not 
trying to grow spiritually. I'm not trying to develop spiritually. I'm not trying to mature spiritually so that I might impress God, so that I might be accepted by God. No, it is because I am accepted by God. It's because He has brought me into the beloved. It's because He has saved me. He has redeemed me. He has chosen me. He has accepted me as His own. That's my motivation to want to grow spiritually. Not to gain acceptance, but because I am already accepted. He's made me His own. I'm sorry, I'm having trouble getting past that. It's like eating a good steak. I just want to savor it. Just let me savor it. He's made me his own. He's made me his own. Verse number 13. Again, he says, brothers, I'm not perfect. But look what he says. This will help you. Perhaps as much as any scripture in all of the Bible, this will help you. Look what Paul says. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting what is behind me, straining forward to what is ahead. Paul had a remarkable ability to focus. You know what I love about Paul? I never read about the good old days with Paul. There were no good old days in Paul's life. He was always looking forward. He was always anticipating what God had ahead of the curve. Do you live your life that way? Or are you always looking back? I meet so many people that... They tell me about their good old days. Those good old days may have been their high school days. They may have been their college years. They may have been when they first got married. They may have been when their children were little. The good old days may have been, listen, you don't know how many people I talk to, the good old days spiritually. You know what I can always tell when somebody's had good old days is when they come up to me and they say, Pastor Chad, you know, God really used to use me like that. Oh, God used to. I used to. Oh, I used to be involved in this. Oh, I used to do that. Oh, I can remember a time back when that. No. If most of your spiritual vocabulary... As I remember, I apologize for this. If most of your spiritual vocabulary is, I remember when and back then and used to, it may be that you've got some good old days in you that you need to get past. Can we say amen today? You may have some good old days that you need to grow beyond. You may have some good years that you may need to grow past. Paul had a remarkable ability to not get stuck in the past. Look what he says. Forgetting what is behind me. You know, many of you have heard the wonderful example before. You know, there's a reason why your car windshield is so large. And why your rearview mirror is so small. Could you imagine driving with it in reverse? 
Could you imagine if your windshield was, if your rear view mirror was as large as your windshield and your windshield was the size of a rear view mirror? You'd be in trouble, wouldn't you? So why do you suppose that is? It's because what's ahead of you is much more important than what is behind you. The problem is, is most of us spend most of our time looking back in the rearview mirror. Paul did not live that way. Paul had a remarkable ability to say, there is one thing that I do, this one thing I get right. And he mentions the law, and he mentions the Pharisee, he mentions the Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, he gives his, he gives his pedigree, he gives his resume, he gives all of his credentials, and then he says, it's all trash, it's all rubbish, it's all worthless, it's all vain, but here is the one thing. And the one thing is, my life is so singular focused that this is the one thing I do. I don't live in the past. You know, a lot of people live in the past when it comes to their successes. You can't live in your past when it comes to success. You can't live in your past when it comes to blessings. you got to look to the future. A very wise person told me earlier this year. He said, Chad, for many people, They find a gold nugget and they try to figure out how to live off the gold nugget for the rest of their life. He said, Chad, wise people learn how to mine for gold. You see the difference? You can't live off of yesterday's blessings. You can't live off of yesterday's anointing. You can't live off of yesterday's experiences. You can't live off of yesterday's successes. What does God want to do in you right now? Now, today, what success does God want to bring into your life right now? What blessings is he orchestrating right now? But he can't bring them to you as long as you're focused in the rearview mirror. What new thing? What new thing does God want to do that you may be completely missing it because you're looking back rather than looking forward? You can't live in the past when it comes to your successes. You certainly can't live in the past when it comes to your sins. For some of us, we're paralyzed today. Paralyzed by our past. Anytime that God begins doing a great work in your life, Satan's right there telling you, oh, but you don't remember that, do you? You think God's forgotten that? You think those other people have forgotten that? Look what a hypocrite you'll be. You say God's working in you. You say God is moving in you. You say God wants to use you, but you don't remember what you've done. No, my friends. That's the rear view mirror. And it is too small to focus on. Amen. Some of you need to get past your past today. Some of you finally need to get past regret. Some of you... You need to finally get past guilt. You need to get past resentment. You need to get past bitterness. You need to get past anger. You need to get past that affair. You need to get past that mistake that you made. Listen, it's time to move on. It's time to draw a line in the sand and say, that was then, this is now, and I walk in God's complete forgiveness. 
And let me give you a word today. Here's that word. Let grace be grace. Quit bringing it up in your heart. Quit bringing it up in your mind. Quit bringing it up in your prayers. And just let grace be grace. Amen. And move right on. And move right on. Move right on. We get stuck. We get stuck in our past. And Paul, listen, if you're going to pursue God, and if you're going to pursue the will of God, if you're going to pursue the plans of God, you cannot stay stuck in the past. Whether that be success or failure. Whether that be blessings or sin. Whether that be regrets or triumphs. It doesn't matter. You cannot stay stuck in the past. This is the day the Lord has made. It's time you rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Why? Because His mercies are renewed every single morning. Great is His faithfulness. Amen. Amen. And Satan would love to keep you stuck. He'd love to keep you bound. He'd love to keep you ashamed. He would love to keep you confined. But no, 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 no. No. God set you free. Amen. Well, what does Paul say? He says... He says, this one thing I do. What a remarkable ability. Are you, are you, you know, are you just scattered all over the place spiritually? Are you distracted today? You got too many irons in the fire? Maybe you need to boil everything down to one thing. To one thing. You say, Chad, you don't know all the responsibilities I have. No, I I understand. I'm not saying let go of responsibilities. I'm saying put everything in focus. I'm saying let all of those responsibilities, let all of those irons in the fire, let all those things that are pulling at you, tugging at you, distracting you, I'm saying put all those things in the peripheral and make Christ your focus. And then everything will line up. You know, it's amazing. When we get things straight with the Lord, everything else straightens out from there. You know, that's a true statement. You get things straight with God, everything else will straighten out from there. So he says, this one thing I do. I forget what's behind me, either success or sin. I strain forward to what is ahead. Behind Ahead, where are you going to live? That's the question today. You're going to live behind, you're going to live ahead. I'm going to choose ahead. You know why? Because Christ is already out in my tomorrows, amen? (laughs) He's not back there, he's out front. And I'm following him. I'm not going to stay stuck. I'm not going to live behind, I'm going to live ahead. So, we're going to be forward looking. Now, he uses an interesting word here, straining. He strains. He strains. Now, isn't that an interesting term? He strains forward to what is ahead of him. Why do you suppose he uses the word strains? You know, it's interesting. You've probably heard preachers say before, Paul, most likely, was quite a sports fan. 
Paul uses a great deal of sports analogies in the scriptures. In his day is when the Olympic Games were beginning. Uh, Many scholars believe that Paul would have attended the Olympic Games, probably as a vendor. Because you remember what Paul did for a living? A tent maker. Paul worked with his hands. And because Paul was a tent maker, he would have been a perfect vendor for the Olympic Games. And odds are he attended some games. And Paul loved sports analogies. And one of the great analogies that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 at the end of the chapter is of an athlete running in a race. And Paul says athletes discipline their bodies. Why? To attain the prize. And Paul says what's interesting about the games is that in a race, many compete, but only one wins. But no, in the Christian life, whoever competes, everyone has the opportunity to win if you don't disqualify yourself. You have opportunity to win. Do you know what that means? That means I'm not in competition against you, brothers or sisters. You're not in competition against me. This church is not in any competition with any other church. Amen? We're one body. We're one in Jesus Christ. So we don't compete against one another in no way, shape, form, nor fashion. We are one in Jesus. And everyone who runs in this race will have an opportunity to win. Lord willing, if... If uh, I still feel the leading of the Lord in this, I plan for the month of January to preach on the five crowns of Scripture that we can win. Have you ever wondered what the, what the crown of rejoicing means or the soul winner's crown or the crown that longs for his appearing or the crown of righteousness? Oh, there's wonderful crowns in the, in the Scriptures. What do they mean and how do we obtain them? But Paul says, everyone who's running is able to win this race. Now, look at verse number 14 with me. Now, let's understand what Paul means. He strains forward. He strains to what is ahead of him. Now, verse 14, he says, he presses on toward the goal, toward the mark. Now, what does he mean by press on? What's he mean by strain? The word picture that Paul is using here, like in 1 Corinthians 10, that of an Olympic runner, that of winning the race. How many of you have seen runners that when they get near the finish line, what do they do toward the tape? They stretch out. They strain forward. Have you ever seen them where they strain every muscle in their body lunging toward the finish line? Paul says that's exactly what you and I ought to be like. We ought to be running such an intense, such an intentional, such a deliberate such a singular focused life that we are as that word image, as that word picture, that spiritually we are straining with everything in us toward the mark, toward the goal of spiritual maturity. Amen. How different is that from today's American church that it's, excuse me, 
I'm sorry, what's his passage today? Where's my Bible? Amen? Is that not today's church? If we call it a prayer meeting right now, how many of us could take hold of God right now? If we called for fasting right now, How many of us could step right into it? We've become a yawning, lazy, capital C church. Could it be that we are the church of Laodicea? Whereas Paul says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Let us strain towards spiritual maturity. Let's train toward it. Let's race toward it. Let's discipline ourselves toward it. Let's do this one thing. Let's forget everything in the past and let's strain forward to what lies ahead. Amen? I tell you what would make this church, I can't speak for other churches that I don't pastor, but I'll speak for our church. Let me tell you what would make this house a mighty weapon in the hands of God is if we got out of the past and we began to strain towards spiritual maturity. We began to strain toward the goal. We began to strain toward Christ-likeness. We began to strain toward holiness. We pressed on. Amen. Can I just unpack verse 14 a little bit? Number one, just follow along with me right here and I'll begin to wrap us up. Number one, Paul says, I press on. Now, now just say amen if you're with me right now. I've got a word for some people specifically right now that I just want to be as crystal clear as I possibly can. This is not for cute Christians who want everything perfect in their lives. This is not for people who want everything at their fingertips. This is not for people who think that God should not be unfair to them. Or should put them, or should, or or, or that God would have the right to put them through any kind of fire. No. You know who this is for? Let those of us who are mature think this way. I press on. This is a word for people who will be deliberate in their spiritual growth. People who no matter what kind of hell comes against them, no matter what kind of fire comes against them, no matter what kind of trial comes against them, they'll go, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to back up. There are too many Christians today that you let any fire touch their life, you let any problem come into their life, and the first thing they want to do is they want to quit on God. Paul says, no, I'm going to press toward the mark. You stone Paul, he'll press harder. You torture Paul, he'll press harder. You shipwreck Paul, he'll press harder. No matter what Satan threw at him, he pressed in even harder. Amen. Amen. I want to be that kind of Christian. 
I want to be the kind of believer that Satan can do nothing with. Amen? Because no matter what he tries, no matter what he throws, I just press in all the more, and I'm not going to quit. Do you have that kind of deliberate attitude? Do you have that kind of determination? Do you have that kind of resolve? Or if God doesn't keep the spiritual pacifier in your mouth, Oh, oh, if God's not rocking you. You know it's the truth, amen? Amen. And let me tell you what's going to happen as you grow spiritually. Now say amen if you're with me right now. Let me tell you what's going to happen. God's going to stop coddling you. And God's going to tell you, grow up. (laughs) Amen? There are some times that I pray to the Lord, oh, God, you know I need you. And the Lord would say, no, you don't need my help. You need to get up and you need to go forward. That's the help. Go. You're okay. Walk it off. You're fine. (laughs) Amen. You remember when Moses stood in front of the Red Sea and they didn't know what to do? Did God coddle them? Did God burp them? Bottle feed them? No. He told them exactly what to do. He said, stand up, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. And when the water parts, go. Amen. Sometimes the Lord's going to tell you, be still and know that I'm God. Amen. See, as my children are getting older... I'm less concerned about their feelings. I'm more concerned about their maturity. The way they acted when they were two, they don't get by with today. What I would have coddled when they were a toddler, I'm not going to coddle today. Why? Because it's time to grow up. So don't be surprised when God says, it's time to grow up. Amen. We discipline ourselves to the glory of God. And sometimes, sometimes you're not going to feel all those warm fuzzies. And you're not going to feel that warm anointing. And you're not going to feel that unction from heaven. And you're not going to feel those blessings of God. Well, guess what you got to do, Christian? You got to press on. And there'll be times that you come to church and you feel defeated. But guess what you do? You press on. There'll be times you pray and it don't feel like it's going anywhere. But guess what you do? You press on. And you don't quit for anything. Amen. I believe God's looking for people today who are intentional and deliberate in their faith. And nothing will shake them. Nothing will move them. Nothing. Why? Because we've been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I press on. I press on. Listen, I could pray over you today, but I got a better word for you. Press on. Press on. I got another word for some of you. You're in a season of your marriage right now. And this is a word for you. You need to press on. 
You're in a winter season. You're in a difficult season. You feel like the love is gone. The affection is gone. The warmth is gone. The intimacy is gone. The companionship is gone. And you're ready to walk away. No. The word for you is press on. You keep going. You keep going. You press on. Don't quit for anything. I press on. Now, you're not pressing just to press. You're not, you're not straining just to strain. There's a goal. And Paul says, listen, he's not pressing just to be bulldog determined. There's a goal in view. There's a goal in sight. Paul says, I press toward the mark. I press toward the goal. Do you think about the goal a lot? What's the goal? The prize of the upward call of Jesus. The prize of that heavenly call. That day when you and I enter the gates of heaven. Sometimes I wonder how dull. How dull and earthy. Those minds must be that never think about heaven. Just dull. Dull and earthy. Those minds that never think about heaven. D.L. Moody said in his day that some Christians were so heavenly minded they were no earthly good. I'm afraid it's opposite in our day. We're so earthly minded we're no heavenly good. Some of us are not going to have a clue what to do when we get there. Because we never think about it. We don't search the scriptures about it. The Lord gave me a sermon series this morning. Oh, can I tell you what the Lord gave me this morning? The Lord gave me a sermon series. He said, call it, On the Other Side, Songs and Sermons About Heaven. Oh, isn't that going to be fun? I don't know when we're going to do it. But uh, wouldn't it be fun just to have several Sundays? All the songs were about heaven, and all the sermons were about heaven. On the other side, songs and sermons about heaven. That's going to be fun. Anyways, there's a goal. There's a goal. But see, like I said, we're, we're too distracted. We're, we're funding the kingdom of Amazon and we're doing all of our online shopping and, and, and we're playing and we're doing all of our things. And we're distracted a hundred different ways and the goal's not in front of us. Eternity is not ahead of us the way, the way that it ought to be. You know, they said of Jonathan Edwards, that mighty preacher of the Great, Great Awakening, they said eternity was stamped on his eyeball. You know what that meant? That meant he viewed everything through the lens of eternity. Do you? Do you live for eternity? Do you make your decisions based on eternity? See, there's a goal that you and I are racing toward. That goal, the tape, the finish line, is that prize of the upward call of Jesus Christ. I want to live for that day. I can't live for that day when I'm always looking at yesterday. I can't strain to what's ahead of me when I'm living in the past. I can't enjoy the good old days 
while straining ahead for what is ahead of me. No, I need to be in the pursuit, a pursuit of God. Paul says in verse 15, let those of us who are mature, oh, brothers and sisters, let us think this way.